So if you appreciate Stephen Williams, let him know. And uh, yeah. All right. We are continuing in Esther. We're going to be looking at a, a big portion of scripture, but I'm going to zoom in on particular verses, particular um, spots that we're going to talk about. Um, but five and six, chapters five and six, if you want to uh, open that in your Bibles. We're going to start and we're going to go through it straight through for the most part. So five and six, keep them open, get ready to read. And that's what we're going to do. But let's start in some prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your many blessings. Thank you, God, that you are always good, that you have never let us down, that you never can let us down, that you've done everything that it takes to bring us closer to you, and that you are always ready to run out after us. Lord, we come before you today. We come into your presence, and God, we ask that you would just be with us, that you would speak to us, that you would change us, Lord, change our hearts, change our minds, create us more and more into the image of your son, help us to be like Esther, to be like Mordecai, help us to get rid of those weeds and those things in our lives that are not pleasing to you, and may we grow instead the fruits of the spirit, Lord, help us to become better Christians, better disciples, and may we do all of this for your glory alone. Amen. All right. So where were we last week? If you remember, Esther was supposed to go before the king. We talked about the request, the rebuttal, and then the response or what um, the reason that uh, Mordecai gave to Esther for why she needs to go before the king. And so that's where we were, and Steve had mentioned it last week, but Esther asked for all of the Jews or all of the family to fast and pray for her. She was going to do the same, and she was going to prepare, and after three days, that's when she would go before the king. And as Steve had mentioned, she said, if I perish, then I perish, okay? But those three days is where we are at, and so... We're going to start in Esther chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace, in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom will be given you. And when I read this, I, I mean, I knew the story, but these little details, I didn't quite understand. And when I was reading it through it this week, I thought, wow, God made it so easy for her. Because she brought up all the things that could happen, all the fa the fact that uh, she's not even supposed to just go before him, right? That he could have her killed, and the only way she would live is if he lifted the scepter, and that um, she had just gone before him not that long ago, and the king def definitely seems to be a more moody person, so you never know what kind of mood he's in. 
Um, you don't know if he got the right amount of sleep the night before. You don't know these things. And when she goes, she doesn't even enter into the hall. She's outside of the hall, and he sees her and raises the scepter. What she was so worried about, God just just took all that away and made it so easy for her to come before him. And not only was it easy for her to enter, but he immediately says, what is your request? What are you asking? And he gives her a range even up to half the kingdom, which is quite a lot. God made it so easy for Esther. And I do not think that the fasting and the prayer did, didn't have anything to do with it. I believe it did have something to do with it, that they had prepared, as Steve had talked about, that she was prepared and she was ready, like Abraham was to sacrifice Isaac. Esther was ready to sacrifice her own life for the chance of saving her people, and God rewarded it and instead made it easy. God prepared a way for Esther to enter into the throne room of the king. But it is, this is what's so important to notice, is that it's God who gave Esther favor with the king. It was God who was doing this, because that's not how it normally should have happened. Esther thought of all the human reasons why it shouldn't happen. But God, right, but God was working, but God was moving, but God had given her favor. But God had been working all this out since before Esther was born. And what I want to talk about to start here is that in a similar way, God has provided us with a way to enter into his throne room. Now, right off the bat, we have a greater king than King Xerxes. We have a much more compassionate and merciful king than King Xerxes. But we also have a just and a righteous God and a God who we cannot stand in the presence of in our sinfulness. But God has provided us with a way to enter into his throne room. God gave us favor, just like he gave Esther. God gave us favor through his son. Think about it. We too can be called the bride of Christ. That is what the church is called, the bride of Christ, just as Esther was the bride of the king. We too can enter into his courts with thanksgiving, enter into his gates with thanksgiving rather, and into his courts with praise, as the scripture says. In Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It's exactly what Esther was doing. Now, the king's throne was not necessarily a throne of grace for her, but God made it that way. And we know that God is a God of grace, that his throne is a throne of grace. And scripture tells us that we can draw near with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God is a God who sees all things. He sees all good. He sees all evil. 
He sees our hearts, the innermost parts, the depths, the good and the bad. And we should not be able to come before him with the bad. But God has provided a way through his son. God has given us favor with himself. We can have favor before the God of the universe, the God who is perfect in every way. We can draw near with confidence, just like Esther was able to do. And even though she may have been scared, I'm sure she was. She did it. And we, too, can draw near with confidence. And what I want us to see as we continue through the story, one of the, the, the biggest takeaway from today biggest point is that God is always working he's always working out his own plan there are other plans happening we have our own plans there are the plans of of a group the plans of this church the plans of the state of the country of the people in the world there are all these plans going on but God is always working out his plan and his plan is obviously the greatest plan And so while we continue to work through the story, I want you to continue to watch for where where and how God is working and how he's working out his own story. So let's keep moving on. Esther's response to the king's question, you know, what can I give you even up to half the kingdom? Esther's response is that he and Haman, Haman, of course, being the bad dude, he and Haman would come to a banquet that she was going to prepare. And it's a really odd request because, one, the king just told her up to half the kingdom, and this is her chance, her chance to just tell him exactly what she's been planning. But instead she asks for Haman and the king to come to a banquet with her. And why is this, why is this her request? Why does she ask this? And I, I looked it up. I did some research, and I found multiple answers, and I don't find many people who agree um, on the same answers because there are many different things. One of the cool ones is that it could have been in keeping with the Jewish calendar and the feasts. Pardon me. We know because of the months and all that that we've been reading through, it, it tells us the, the months of uh, these certain events that this is right during the time of Passover. And she asks the people to fast for three days, and maybe that was a part of the delay, and then she says, oh, if you know, come to a banquet tonight, and then she ends up asking them to come to another night. And that would line up with the night that the Israelites were freed from Egypt, um, then when they would have crossed over the Red Sea. And so it may have been her Jewishness and her knowledge of the feasts and of the times that she was waiting for the day where she could ask for her people to be set free in the same way. And so that may be, and that's pretty cool, um, but it, it may also, it may have been out of fear. She may have just been nervous and not wanting to ask her request then, and instead she desired, decided to, to stall it another night. Um, it could have been tactics even on her own part that she was trying to warm up the king to her request, that she was leaving him in suspense, um, waiting to hear, man, what is this big thing that she's asking of me? Uh, and 
so there were multiple things it could have been. All of that is speculation because the scripture does not tell us. But here's the, uh, the key, the important thing to know, the important thing to remember as we continue. No matter what her reasoning was, and I want you to realize this, no matter what she was thinking in her head, it was God's will that she would hold off on presenting her request. And we're going to see why. But no matter what her reasoning was, her reasoning could have been out of fear, which is not necessarily a good thing. She shouldn't have been afraid because God was with her. It may have been the Jewish feasts and all that. It may have been tactics. But whatever it was in her mind, God was working out his plan, and it was his will that she should hold off. And we'll, we're going to see why. So, boom, next day, next night, they're at the banquet. She yet again requests that the king and Haman come to the, a banquet the following night. And the king ex accepts. So, there they are at the banquet. He says the exact same question. The king repeats this question three times total. What, what can I give you, even up to half the kingdom? And this second time, she says the same thing. Tomorrow night, can you come again to a banquet? And she says, tomorrow, I will give you a response to the question. And this is where we're really going to jump in. All right. So I know that was a lot of, lot of story, but there's just so much in there. Esther chapter 5, verses 9 through 14. Haman went out that day, and this is after that second banquet, Haman went out that day happy and in high spirits. But when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and observed that he neither rose nor showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. Calling together his friends and Zeresh, his wife, Haman boasted to them about his vast wealth, his many sons and all the ways the king had honored him and how he had elevated him above the other nobles and officials. And that's not all, Haman added. I'm the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to the banquet she gave, and she has invited me along with the king tomorrow. But all this gives me no satisfaction as long as that, as long as I see that Jew, Mordecai, sitting at the king's gate. His wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, have a pole set up reaching to a height of 50 cubits, and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai impaled on it. Then go with the king to the banquet and enjoy yourself. This suggestion delighted Haman, and he had the pole set up. There's a lot there, a lot in that story, but we're talking about Haman and what Haman is doing. And what the point that I'm going to talk about from this passage is human plans, human plans, okay? So if you're taking notes, if you're writing stuff down, this is all under the section of human plans. And we're using Haman as the example. And as Steve was talking about, Haman's plans were selfish. They were, they were all inward focused. They were all looking at himself. He was there boasting to his family. Like, he probably did that very often. Um, even his anger against Mordecai was selfish because it was all based on the fact that Mordecai didn't fear him, that Mordecai didn't submit to him like the other people. 
Haman's plans were based on vanity, his own love for self. His plans were based on prejudice, his own ideas of other people, of people like Mordecai, of the entire Jewish nation. His plans were based on his own power. He was talking about how the king had raised him to this point of power and how, as a result, Mordecai should be honoring him and should be fearing him. And his plans are based on that power. Oh, raise up a pole and go before the king and he'll let you do this. And Haman even listens to the ungodly advice of his family. Now, we talked about uh, two weeks ago about how Esther had favor because she listened to her family, how she listened to Mordecai, but Mordecai was a godly man. Haman's family is not so. And so when Haman listens to their advice, he listens to ungodly advice. But Esther had listened to godly advice from Mordecai. Haman's plans are purely human. They are evil. They come out of the depths of the evil in his heart, the sinfulness in his heart. And that is where we realize we too can be like Haman because we too have evil in our hearts. Ever since the fall of man, every man has had evil within their hearts, sin within our hearts. We are, as scripture says, at enmity with God. We are enemies of God. And that can be sound so severe, but it's as severe as it says. Our plans are evil because our hearts are evil. And that's another point that I want to point out to you is that our plans are evil because our hearts are evil. We have evil in our hearts, and if our plans come from ourselves, then they too are evil. They are not lined up with God's plans. They are in enmity against God's plans. They are lost plans. They are plans that don't go the right way because that's where our hearts are. Our hearts are somewhere lost. They are somewhere that's not in the right spot. Human plans, they are selfish, based on vanity. They're based on our own powers and our own strengths. And they oftentimes leave no room for God's glory to be revealed. And that's really the point of it. We were created for God's glory. And when we use our own plans, and they're based on our own power and on our own uh, desires and on glorifying ourselves, there's no glory for God left to be had. But thanks be to God that we can overcome evil. Amen? Through what Christ has done and through our unity with him, Christ has done this great action of dying on the cross for our sins and being raised to a new life again. And through our unity with him in those actions, we can gain freedom from and victory over these things. We can have victory over the evil in our hearts. We can have freedom from 
creating our own plans. We can have freedom from relying on our own power. And Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Mm. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And it goes on to talk about how Christ Jesus didn't desire to be equal with God, um, that, that his goal was not equality with God, that he set his equality with God, which he has, he set it aside to become human, that Christ was humble and that he did this humble action and that we too ought to be humble. We ought to value others above ourselves, not looking to our own interests, but to the interests of others like Esther. Esther was not worried about her own interests, about the fact that she might die. Uh, Again, she may have been a little worried, but she had put it aside and instead put others before her, put God's people before her, put their lives before hers. We have been set free because of what Christ has done, and we ought to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So let's get back into the story. And now we're moving on into chapter 6. And chapter 6 verse 1. Chapter 6 verse 1 says. That night the king could not sleep. So he ordered the book of the chronicles. The record of his reign. To be brought in and read to him. And we're going to stop right there. The king couldn't sleep that night. Doesn't say why doesn't say um, that it was because of anything Esther had said or done. The king just couldn't sleep that night, and I wonder why. He ordered that the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, be read to him. That's it, that's what I do when I can't sleep. I read my journal, I guess. <laughs> that's basically what it was. And all this shows us that God is moving. You see, while human plans are going on, Haman went home that night and conceived this plan to kill Mordecai. While these human and evil plans are going on, God's plans are also taking place. While Haman brags and plots, the Lord moves and speaks to the king. And so he has the record read to him. It was definitely God's will that the king should not sleep that night. And it was, of course, God's will that Esther should stall so that this could happen and so that even what Haman was doing could happen. And so now we reach the point we're going to talk about God's plans. We talked about human plans and what human plans are all about, but now Let's talk about God's plans because in the midst of all those human plans and what we think we're doing and accomplishing, God is doing and accomplishing greater things. So as the chronicles are read to the king, 
the story of Mordecai saving his life, which we, we kind of skipped over. Steve had mentioned it, and it's a cool little story there. Mordecai had saved the king's life because he heard about a plot to kill the king, and so he, he uh, warned the king about it indirectly, and the plot was stopped and the people were taken away. This story was uncovered as the Chronicles were read, and the king was like, what was done for this man Mordecai? What, what happened because he saved my life? So what happened with him? And the response is nothing. Nothing was done for him. The, we moved on. The records show that nothing was done for Mordecai. And so the king's like, man, that's, that's a shame. And meanwhile, out in the courts, similar to Esther, out in the courts is walking Haman, no doubt to come in and speak to the king about his evil plots. So the king calls him in. He says, you know, who's that out there in the courts? It's reported to him that it's Haman. He says, bring Haman in. So Haman comes in. And the king asks him what should be done for the man that the king desires to honor, that the king wants to honor. What should be done for him? And, of course, Haman, thinking that the king is speaking about himself, responds with grand ideas. We're going to read through some of those. Uh, Esther chapter 6, still, verses 7 through 9. So he answered the king, For the man the king delights to honor, have them bring a royal robe the king has worn, and a horse the king has ridden one with a royal crest placed on its head. He's given these exact details. I know he's been pictures in his head for a while. Then let the robe and the horse entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes. Let them robe the man the king delights to honor and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. And of course, we know that he's speaking all of this into existence to glorify or honor Mordecai. And it's it's funny. It's definitely funny how God is using Haman to bring about glory for Mordecai. But before we talk about that, as Steve mentioned, this is humiliating for Haman. In, within a span of, like Steve said, 24 hours, Haman is brought down really low as low as he can go. The man who he has hated and who he desires to kill and who he's been plotting about, who is on his mind at all times. He says that he doesn't even care about his riches and about his wealth and about his high position as long as Mordecai is alive. Mordecai has been on his mind and ruining his thoughts for a while here. And this brings Haman to a very low point because God's plans include justice for the evil. And we need to know that because there is a lot of evil in this world and there are many evil people in this world. And God's plans include justice for them. Colossians chapter 3 verse 25 says, For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. And right before that, it talks about good things and about what God will do for his people. But it, it inserts this verse, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. 
and there is no partiality. God is a just God. And if you read Revelation or just stories about the future and God's plans for the wicked, there is justice for them. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. God's plans include justice for the evil, and as a result, we do not have to worry about it. And as so as a Christian, as a believer, as someone who is not evil in God's si sight, but someone who has been covered in the blood of his son, someone who is considered a child of God, we don't have to worry about getting revenge. We don't have to worry about payback because it's all in the Lord's hands. It's all in his plans. God's plans include justice for the evil. Esther chapter 6 verse 11 says, So Haman got the robe and the horse. He robed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city streets, proclaiming before him, This is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. I doubt he had a very good attitude through that day. <laughs> Haman was brought low. But equally as important, Mordecai was lifted up. God's plans not only include justice for the evil, but God's plans also include justice for his people. And justice is good for the good and bad for the bad. But for the God's people, for those who have been covered in the blood of his son, man, I'm having some trouble today. It's, it's the royal robes. That's the one that's getting me. God's plans include justice for his people. Not only was Haman humbled, but Mordecai was lifted up. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, But the grace that God gives is even stronger. As the scripture says, God resists the proud, a.k.a. Haman, but gives grace to the humble, Mordecai. Mordecai hadn't even received any good up to this point from his actions. And Mordecai was not out there bragging about what he had done for the king. Mordecai was not uh, trying to gain these things from the king. And in fact, wouldn't have gotten them except that Haman, his enemy, offered these things. The grace that God gives is even stronger. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And we need that grace. The honest truth is, if you are out there today and you are not a child of God, the honest truth is that your heart, your life, your sins, which you are in, are in enmity against God and against his plans. You are not, you, your plans don't go with his. Although he can use them, as he's used Haman's, they are not honoring to him if they were to be fulfilled as you would expect. But God loves his children, and God offers the opportunity for anyone to become his child. 
anyone can kneel before the cross and admit to the king, Jesus. And in this way, we can enter into his throne room as his children. And he will, in, in metaphorically, he will lift the scepter and allow us to come before him and bless us. We also we also not only are released from having to worry about revenge and payback, but we are also released from the need to honor and lift up ourselves. Mordecai was not worried about what he needed to do for himself, how he needed to lift up himself, make himself great, how he needed to provide for himself. God has all those things a part of his plan. God has good in plan for his people. So we're freed from the, the need to worry about tomorrow. Scripture tells us don't do it. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. It's going to worry about itself. God cares about the sparrow. Are you not worth far more than many sparrows? God knows what tomorrow holds. And we need to trust him in that. When we recognize that all things are a part of God's plan and that he loves us, we can be sure that he will not let us down. And I want you to help to join me here. We're going to think about this as logically as possible. Okay. We believe that there's a God and that he owns all things. Okay. He created all things and therefore he owns all things. And he sees all things. Okay. Past, present, future, as well as all things everywhere. He owns them all. He sees them all. He owns all power, right? And he is love, as scripture tells us. God is love. If all this is true, if he has all power and he sees all things at all times, and he is love, why should we not trust him and his plans for us? It doesn't make sense for us to try to take some of that for ourselves and to hold on to our own plans when there's a perfect, all-seeing, all-powerful God who loves us, who cares about us, and who has our best in mind. In conclusion, I want to just overview everything again. The big point, God's plan is always at work. Sometimes it's right in our faces. For for us reading this story, it's obvious how God's plan was at work throughout Esther, Mordecai, Haman, the king, in this whole story. But imagine being one of the people, one of the Jewish people, who simply sees an edict that all Jewish people are going to die. And not knowing what's going to happen. Sometimes God's plan is hidden from us. Sometimes it's in the background of our own lives, or at least seems to be. But it's always happening, and it's always working 
no matter what, God is always working. And as we go through a time like we're going through right now, it may be hard to see God's plan. So for some of you, it may be super easy. Some of you may be, man, God is doing this right now in my life because of this. It may be easy to put those pieces together. For some of you, it may be very difficult. But for both people, we need to just trust that God's plans are the best, that they're the best for us, that they're the best for him, for his people, for his glory. And if we desire for his glory to be fulfilled, then we should desire for his will to be done in our lives. Amen? All right, I want to finish with Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 which is my prayer for you and which I I believe right now Philippians 1 verse 6 most of you probably know it for I'm confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He will continue to work. It's He's always working. He's always about his business. Jesus says that his father is always working, and I too am working. We just need to look for it and trust, even when we can't see it, that it is there and that it is good because God is always good. Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. And Lord, we thank you for your plans, your plans for us individually, your plans for this church, your plans for your body around the world, your plans for the world. Lord, we trust you today. We trust that you will lift us up, that you will bring justice upon the evil in this world, that you see all things, that you hold all power, and that you have our best interest in mind. Lord, we love you, and we give all this to you. Be with your people today, be with us through this week, and bring us back together again soon, Lord. We look forward to the day when we will be with each other again and in your presence together. We love you, Lord, and we praise you and honor you today. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you all for joining us again. Leave a like, leave a comment. Leave any prayer requests or any praise reports and allow us to pray and rejoice with you. I love you all. And we will see you next week.